This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, everybody. Parshas Emor 5782. We're starting from You should not profane my holy name. I should be made holy among all of Bnei Yisrael. I am a Kaddish Baruch who makes you holy. So two things in this passage. We're talking about Chil Hashem or we're talking about Kiddush Hashem. The Ibn Ezra says this doesn't refer to the rest of the clause. It refers to the Kohanim and only the Kohanim. That's what the Pesukim before this were talking about, before in Parakhav days. Everything was talking about what the Kohanim were supposed to do. Only afterward it says, Da Beryl Bnei Yisrael, which sounds like this was not for Bnei Yisrael. The Pesukim before and were about Bnei Yisrael. But the Sforno, he seems to say the same. The same thing as Ibn Ezra. They were sanctified to do a Kaddish Baruch's work. They're the ones who can't be Machal Hashem. They have to be expected to be on a higher level, but this is not for the rest of Kalah Yisrael. That's what they say in Pshat. The Meshachachma says, there's no question, the Omek Pshat is what he calls it, is like the Ibn Ezra, which is why Malachi was so upset at the Kohan or being Makriv Balei Mumen. You might be able to get away with sacrificing an animal a little early, because you can tell the difference between a seven and an eight day old cat. That's what we were talking about right beforehand. But I know, says a Kaddish Barful, Ani Hashem Khan, I'm the one. And that's the idea the Meshachachma says, similar to the Ibn Ezra in the Sforna, that it's talking about the Kohan, it's not referring to B'nai Yisrael. The Rambam says that these psukam are the source for the concepts of Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem. So he's the one that argues for the first time on the Ibn Ezra, etc., including the Chiyuv Yarog Val Yavor, including even mitzvos, let's call the mitzvos kalos, right? That can be done even during times of Shmad. The Ramban and Rashi certainly seem to agree that it's referring to Kalos or a whole. They don't say it straight out. Ramban is closer. But at least it's clear that they're not like the Ibn Ezra and the Sforno, and the Rambam says it very, very clearly. Rashi says that a Chilol Hashem consists, that constitutes, Someone who's over on a Kaddish Baruch Hu's word, b'mezid. He says the word b'mezid. He does it on purpose. The Be'erba Seda points out that even though a chil Hashem, where it could happen even b'shogeg, it could happen even if a person does a shogeg, I didn't mean to make a chil Hashem, but I made a chil Hashem. That's only shayach by an Adam Gadol, who everyone would learn from. That's by that's the idea behind it. This pasuk is referring to normal people, not just gidolim, not only kohanim, and not just gidolim, but by anybody. And therefore, Rashi says b'mezid. That's the wording over there. The Chafetz Chaim says that chil Hashem is so chomer. There's no way to do tshuva for it, even through yisurin. Only death is a true kapar for, for a chil Hashem, as we say in Yuma, Pei and Aleph. You still must do tshuva. Without tshuva, he says, and the punishment is very extreme in Olamah, because you made a chil Hashem, you never did tshuva for it. A terrible malach mashchis is formed for your chil Hashem, and every malach mashchis that's formed gives you yisurin in this world and the next. Nobody wants that. And that's why you have to do tshuva. The Rambam says in Sefer HaMitzvot, Losa Sein number Samach Gimel 63, that if someone does an Avera, he derives zero benefit from, no benefit whatsoever, only bishot nefesh is what he calls it, then he's he is doing a chil Hashem at that point. And he says, you should get Malchus for that. The Sefer Yoreim in Mitzvah Vav says that this Pasuk is no give the Yoreid at home. It goes deep down into a person. And Yidvu Koladoyvim because of this Pasuk. Sadness will be because of this Pasuk. Since Chil Hashem can happen anywhere, anytime, even in Kavit Shemayim, even when you're trying to do something for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and especially in Lashon and Rechilas, which have absolutely no Hanoa Gashmias. That's why the Chavetz Chaim brings it down. Because this is the idea behind what a person might do if he speaks Lashon Hara. Look at what can happen. You get no Hanoa 
from it. Says the Sefer Yireim, that's the worst thing that you could do. The Rabbeinu Bachaya calls it an avon hamor biyoser, a horribly terrible thing. It starts off small, becomes very big very quickly. Now, we're both chelal Hashem and Kiddush Shemar in this Pasuk, he says, because you can fix it. If you do something that's a chelal Hashem, then the way to be metakin is by making a bigger Kiddush Shem in its place, similar to a sickness. The only way to heal it sometimes is by that sickness being used in a different way. He gives a few examples of this, such as running to do a mitzvah if you previously ran to do an Avera, things like that. That idea says the Rabbeinu Bachaya. Rabbeinu Yol says the Bnei Yisrael were machalol the Shem Hashem. This is in Yechesko Lamed Vavchav. And that's why they were destroyed. That's the idea of the Midi Kenegamidi behind this case of one after the other. Tamir Akrav, this is Rechaim Kenevsky, suggests that this is why the Pasuk was written right after the laws of the Korban Toda. Since lacking Akaras Tov for something that Akarish Baruch gave to you is the biggest Chaleshem you could possibly do. It's like you're saying, I don't know Akarish Baruch anything could happen. That's absolutely ridiculous, and there's no way that can happen. That's the biggest Chaleshem that a person can make. So, what is a Chaleshem? We've mentioned a little bit before, but Yuma Pevav says that a Talmud Chacham taking meat from a butcher on credit without paying, that's a Chaleshem. Even walking Rabbi Yochanan, who's different gear cells, but Rabbi Yochanan says that even walking four Amos without Torah and Tefillin for him was considered a Chaleshem. Somebody seeing him not learn during the time that he should be learning, that's in and of itself a Chaleshem. Rash says not everyone knows that he might be weak from his learning. They might be learned, they learn from him, they could be Mavatul Torah just like he's being Mavatul Torah. Even though that doesn't apply to us anymore, because who in the world walking four Amos without Torah and Tefillin, everybody does that. Nonetheless, something else does. If a person goes to yeshiva for a little bit and comes back and goes to work and doesn't make a seder, this is for men and women. If a person goes back after going to yeshiva seminary or being involved in learning in some way and then no longer does it, stops himself completely or herself completely, that's an unbelievable chilol Hashem. How could a person who dedicated himself to learning for even a year right now says to himself, I don't have to do it anymore. That's the biggest chilol Hashem, he says. That's something that's absolutely crazy. The Gemara Niyavama Samach Bezom Vez says there were 24,000 Talmidim of Rebbe Kiva that obviously died during the days of Sarah's Omer. 12,000 pairs of Rabbanu that passed away during the days of Sarah's Omer because lo noagu kavod zebozeh. Chavetz Chaim explains that such a thing where Talmidei Chachamim are not treating each other with respect, Talmidei Chachamim, people that are on that high of a level, that's the biggest Chil Hashem, and that's why they died. It's not that they just weren't knowing Kavod Zebazet, it's not Chayim Misa, but you know what is Chayim Misa? A Chil Hashem. And the Chil Hashem that they caused, and I'm sure that each one of them had a great reason for doing what they were doing, each one of them thought, I'm doing the right thing here, this is what I'm supposed to do. They were Goyne Olam, that's what we're talking about, the greatest people of the generation. But a Chil Hashem can happen even Bishogi. When a Chil Hashem happens, there's nothing that you can do about it. It's automatic, and that's the worst thing that could possibly be. The Chavetz Chaim used to say, if he thought it would help for him to get down on his knees in the mud and kiss the shoes of those people who were Machal Shabbos, it would help them keep Shabbos again, he would gladly do so. The Chil Hashem created from the Chil Shabbos was so great, he would do anything to stop it. Chavetz Chaim once went, went to a later Shachris, was a little later in the Zman, but he was still making the Zman, right? And saw some of the Kola of Rechem that so was standing outside, Kola Kachim of Rechem, or Chan Wasserman, and Natali Trup, those, those great said he can be approached them and said I'm going to a later minion because I had to take care of something beforehand they said Rebbe we didn't suspect you of anything else we wouldn't assume that you're oversleeping they said to the Chavetz Chaim he said no I'm teaching you a lesson for the future you're all going to be B'nai Torah. You're all going to be Rabbanim somewhere. Something is going to happen. You always should tell somebody if you're going to be late to something and don't let them suspect you of doing something improper. 
Otherwise, it could be a Chilol Hashem. Tell them why you were late. That's what the Chavetz Chaim did. In fact, the Chavetz Chaim would say that you, people should not skip Pesukit Zimra if they were late to davening. And I know they're halachos, but you would rather a person go to a later minion because a person would come in and see that he skips and he's a Talmud Chacham, then they'll skip as well. They'll think, oh, I can do anything. They'll be mezalzel in tefillah because of him. That's the idea. At the end of his life, the Chavetz Chaim asked that they put a safer in front of him, even though he was too weak to learn because he didn't want anyone to come in and see him wasting his time, so to speak. So they did it. They consider me a Talmud Chacham, says the Chavetz Chaim. If they don't see me learning, it would be a Chalol Hashem. His son Rablaib found out about a certain position that was opening up for a rub in a certain city, and he asked his father if he would write him an appro- a letter of recommendation, an approbation letter, something that would be you know, good for him. He agreed, and then he received a letter. The Chavetz Chaim received a letter from someone else he didn't know to ask for him to get a letter to be able to get that position as well. So the Chavetz Chaim refused to write for either one. He said, I don't know that guy, so I can't write a letter of recommendation for him. And my son, that person might think that I only found out about the position from him, and therefore I'm not going to write for either one. I don't want to make a chalashah. Unbelievable, right? The Maral Diskin says there's a Gemara in Brachos that says it's not usher to speak Lashon about someone who's dead. Somebody passed away. It's not usher to speak Lashon about him. The Gemara asks about someone who spoke badly about Shmuel, subsequently died when the ceiling caved in on him and hit him. The Gemara answers Shmuel was different because Shmuel was a Talmud Chacham. And it says, HaKadosh Baruch was Tovea Yikre. He claimed the honor that he deserved. That's what happened over there. There are two types of Chalashem, says Maral Diskin. It says, someone does something wrong and a Talmud Chacham doing something improper, right? That's that. When this guy said something about Shmuel, it might cause people to think that Shmuel, a Talmud Chacham, did something improper. Therefore, a Chalashem might occur because it's not something that he did wrong, but it's something improper. Kodesh Baruch had to stop it before it could happen, and that's why the guy died, so we all know that he was making it up and it wasn't true, and that's what it means Tobi Yikre. That's how the Maral Diskin understands that Gemara. Tom Adas of Strombach says there are some who feel that they're making a Kiddush Hashem by going to a Jewish party, so to speak, that's filled with non-Jewish themes. A Jewish Halloween party. A Jewish holidays party. Something like that, claiming they're keeping themselves close to the fellow Jews. By having them along, I'm able to bring them and drag them back into Klal Yisrael. I, 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 I can't tell you, you know, whether it's a good idea or not. Sometimes I guess it could be a good idea, but the Tamadash of Shrimbach says that's not Ratzon Hashem. And I understand, I understand where he's coming from. The Rishayim will strengthen their positions, claiming that a kosher person is coming to our party, somebody who's kosher. Instead, it's going to be a Chalul Hashem. Therefore, it says, Velo even when you think Vinikdashti, even when there's a Kiddush Hashem, because you think it's Besoch B'nei Yisrael. Therefore, I'm the one who makes it holy, and I'm telling you what to do and not to do, and I'm not allowing you to go to those parties. That's the idea. I can tell you from my personal story. My wife was once honored by a certain organization that was not from Bechlau, and we decided that we we're going to go to their, the, the, the place where they were honoring everybody and telling wherever where you would go. It was taking place in a bar, but we assumed it wasn't a real bar. Like, it was a Jewish organization, so everyone would be there. It was a bar with, like, loud live music and everybody partying or whatever it was. It was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So we left. We stayed there for whatever it was supposed to be, and then we both left. It was just so disgusting. That's not a Jewish party. That's not what you consider a Jewish party. That's something or whatever we're taking from the other nations. That's, that's not the same. There was once a man who sent his son to public school, even on Shabbos, so he'd grow up and he could fight for Jews in secular courts. 
right? He's, he's a guy who's going to do that. So Rabbi Kiva Kersnitzer told him that's exactly what the Pasuk is telling us not to do. Do not be machal Hashem thinking in the end he'll make a Kiddush Hashem. In the end, nothing will happen. It, you'll remain with a Chil Hashem. You're not going to get a Kiddush Hashem out of it. The Chassam Sofer points out that sometimes this works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yehu said to the Ovde Abal, Yehu was a, a king who had unbelievable potential. He destroyed all the, the people of Ahab, all the children and the grandchildren of Ahab and everybody was around there. But he said, in order to convince the people that they were worshippers of Baal, that they would tell him so he could kill them all. He said, who could worship Baal more than me? Right? He said that out loud. He didn't mean it that way. He wanted to get them on the side. And in the end, he worshipped Baal at the end of his life. Because once he was involved with it, he couldn't stop himself. Now, on the other hand, Khalid began to put down Moshe Rabbeinu when talking to the Meraglim. And he said, what, is this the only thing that Ben Amram has done for us? He also took his out of Mitzrayim, etc. He, he did all that. It worked out for him. But you have to be super careful. You might not be a Khalid. You might be a Yehu. And if you're a Yehu, you're going to go off at the end of your life. If you're a Khalid, you'll be able to remain strong. Who knows if they're a Khalid or a Yehu? It's such a hard thing to be able to understand. That's how the Chassam Sofer puts it. In Torah's Moshe, the Chassam Sofer says, we see by Hananiah, Mishol, Vazariah, that even though they were saved from the Kivshana Eish, we know that they were taken out, they were able to live inside their Nebuchadnezzar saw them and a Malach, Malach inside the Kivshana Eish itself. Nonetheless, afterward, there were non-Jews that went to the Jews, slapped them in the face and said, you have a God like that? You bow down to that Selim? What's wrong with you? Why would you have done such a thing? He says, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says, what happened to Hanam Yishov I think it's Sabi Dalin Ranov. What happened to Hanam Yishov Baroque Tavu. They drowned in spit. And the Pshad is just this. Because their Kiddush Hashem led to a Chil Hashem for the rest of Klai Yisrael. It's not saying they shouldn't have done it. But that's just a reality that we all have to face. That there's a possibility that every Kiddush Hashem we make could be a Chil Hashem. We have to be super careful about what we're doing and why. And I can't define it for you. We do what we're supposed to do and we hope. We dive into a Kiddush Baruch that our Kiddush Hashem remains a Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Yosef Rabin, the brother of Rabbi Yolopian, once visited Rabbi Chizkiyahu Medini right, 1835 to 1908, who lived in Hebron. He authored the Stei Chemed. He knocked on the door, but the Stei Chemed did not answer. He was involved in a sugya. So he stood there and he waited for a little bit. And eventually, when he realized that he had made Rav Chizki, um, uh, Rav Yosef wait, he apologized. Rav Chizki Omedini, the Stei Chemed, right, he said, I'm sorry, I'll make it up to you with a story. When he was younger, he was accepted into an exclusive kolo. This is the Stei Chemed, Rav Chizki Omedini. So he was accepted into an exclusive kolo. And it was made, it was supported by a man by the name of Zorach. They all learned together, and they were stark, stark bachram, all in one base matter of Reichem. They were in one base matter. So there was a young man who hated them all. And he came up with a terrible scheme. Rav Zorach had a maid who worked in his house. She also tidied up the shul. She took care of the base matter of the kol, studied every single morning. One time, Rav Chizkiyo happened to be there, right, very, very early. She used to do this very, very early. So he was there at the same time. The plan was for her to run out right before Shabbos, screaming that she'd be an abused by Rav Chizkiyo, by the Stei Chemed. She was promised a lot of money to do so. She did so. It started a huge commotion. And this evil man was screaming, you should throw this guy out of, out of the kol. How could this guy be in the kol? You should never allow him back. Soon there was a mob that came into Rav Zorah's house demanding justice, right? So Rav Zorah wasn't home, but he heard what happened. He ran over to the base matter. She saw that everyone was learning diligently, including this Stei Chemed. Rav Chizkiyo didn't even look up once when Zorah walked inside. Told the people, said, I don't believe a word my maid said. From this point on, she's fired, and anyone who discusses the matter is not allowed in my base matters. So people continued to talk about it in private, but they didn't want to say it out loud. The maid was paid and, you know, by that guy, and not surprisingly, the young man who started the whole thing died a week later. Little, but that's what happened. Everyone forgot about it, right? The maid lived well from the money she'd been paid for a couple months, but eventually the money ran out, and she needed a job. But nobody wanted to hire her. 
because everybody believed Rav Zorach, and they believed Rav Chizkiyot Medini, they couldn't believe that such a thing happened. So one day, one morning, she went to the base manager to speak to the Stei Chemed. She said, I'm sorry that I accused you falsely, she said, right? I needed a guy, needed money, and I couldn't resist, and it, I'm sorry, but the money's gone, and I need your help to get another job. I'm desperate. Please help me. So the Stei Chemed didn't know what to do. He knew there would be a Kiddush Hashem if he goes around and he tells everybody that clear his name, that clearly she's admitting that she never did anything, she made it up. And that would be okay. I'm sure there were some people in the city who still thought that the Steichana did something wrong. But it was a Chil Hashem because a Jew had been behind it. And a Jew is the one that said that it was going to happen. So he didn't know what to do. Should I say it out loud and possibly cause a Chil Hashem? But there is a Kiddush Hashem here. So he decided the best thing to do was not to make a public declaration. He convinced another wealthy man that he had shaykhs to to hire her, and then no one would know about the malicious plan, and she would still have a job. So he did so. She was hired, right? And he added, he said the following, right? When I walked out of that wealthy man's home, I felt my mind open up wide. And a Kaddish Baruch gave me, rewarded me to understand kol ha-Torah kula. Because I was concerned with the Kaddish Baruch's honor and not my own. That's in the Magid Speaks, pages 49 to 52. And that's where the Stei Chemet comes from. What an unbelievable set of sorrow. If you don't have a Stei Chemet, have you ever seen a Stei Chemet? It's an encyclopedia of everything. Everything. Stei Chemet knew everything. But let's go on. This puzzle seems strange. Is there no case in which there is no Chil Hashem, but there's not necessarily a Kiddush Hashem? What it has to be, if it's either a Chil Hashem or a Kiddush Hashem. There's no middle ground. So Ramosha in Kol Ram says exactly. Yeah, 100%. When one has the opportunity to do a Kiddush Hashem and he doesn't do so, it's automatically considered a Chil Hashem. That's true by any mitzvah, no matter how small it might seem. Even Osa Spino, the mitzvah right before him, the level of Chil is based on how great of a person he is. We see in Yuma Peipa Vamanal. And therefore, everyone has to be careful with what they do. A wealthy person should give tzedakah publicly. And I know we normally say you shouldn't put your name on things, etc. But a wealthy person should show, I'm not somebody who doesn't give tzedakah. I give tzedakah all the time. So he shows other people and then nobody will think anything else. If you say out loud that you're going to give tzedakah, even if you did a bali nether, make sure you pay it in front of other people so people know you paid off what you said. The Chassam Sofer and Torah's Moshe elaborates on it, compares it to Avram, Malki Tzedek, King Shalim, King of Shalim, in which he did something publicly to show everybody what a person is supposed to do so that they wouldn't think anything of him, that he took all the money and he kept it for himself. Chas is not what Avram Avinu did. That's what a person has to do. That's what the Chassam Sofer says in Torah's Moshe. Not only that, but someone who's considered a leader, right, and a Rebbe would be put in that category, I think a Rebbe would be there, must make sure that what they're doing is good and proper, right? So that no one can question his ability to disseminate Torah to the masses as much as he can. Now that you've learned all of those halachos and you know what Kedoshim to you is, you have to make sure that nothing will happen that will constitute Echel in any way, even if in theory everything should be fine. Alino Shvech says there was once a wealthy man who was married for 25 years without children. Finally, Zoh could have a child, so he's super happy. He dedicated an entire floor of a building that he had that would be used. It was a five-story building to become a Talmud Torah. He wanted to make it that way. Many parents wanted their kids to be enrolled in such a beautiful building that was going to have filled with everything. So they signed themselves up, but there wasn't enough room. One floor wasn't going to be enough. So they went to him, and the man decided, okay, so I'll give more. He donated four floors to the to this school. He had one floor for whatever, and four floors of the five-floor building was for the school itself. That's when the neighbors got involved. They got up and they said, look, one floor of Talmatero, right, we have a bunch of people learning, we have no problem whatsoever. But this is super loud. We didn't expect this noise to be there. It's a loud thing. A lot of kids learning at the same time, Baruch Hashem. But that's loud, and we didn't expect that. That's not why we moved here. It's not why we have our stuff here. So that doesn't make any sense to us. They asked him to move somewhere else, but he refused. And even took them to Bazdin to keep his school there, causing a massive Chil Hashem in the process where everybody said terrible things. Now, that's 
not what a Kiddush Hashem is. A Kiddush Hashem is to understand making a school, paying that money and doing everything over there. That's amazing. But not to make a Chilul Hashem at the exact same time. That's the idea behind it over there. So, unfortunately, that's there. The Nitziv tells us something else. Nitziv says, and we know this from the Gemara, that Kaddish and Kiddusha must have a minion based on this Pasuk. The word Toch is over here. You can say Rashava Toch Toch from Hippodami Toch Eira Azos, that there were ten people of the Meraglam, etc. This Pasuk is placed in Parsha Samoadim during the Chagim, since it was very difficult for many people in Klai Yisrael, says Nitziv, to only have a minion most of the year. But on Yamim Tovim, they for sure went. On the holidays, everyone gathered together. It was much easier. That might be why there's a Chubas Goynim that says in Eretz Yisrael, they didn't have the Minig to say Kedusha during the week, only on Shabbos. It might be based on this, because they weren't able to go anywhere. So they went eventually on Shabbos or the Moadim. That's, that's why it's written in this Parsha right over here, that Toch, right, that you're supposed to have a minion, etc. Moshe Leib of Sasov used to say that even nine Gedoli Ador cannot say Kedusha on their own, but ten Amiya Ratzim have the ability to do so. It's just like a building, right? Gold and silver alone are never going to be able to be enough to be able to make a building. But if you have mortar and bricks, you need everything. You need all the different things plaster nails in order to make a building. I remember going to visit a house that we were going to buy and we went to the back and they had this beautiful setup thing where you have like a nice like place where you could just sit and have a barbecue, etc. And I went over and I stepped on one of the bricks. The whole thing fell apart. The whole thing. And I was like, what, what, what in the world? They never put mortar in. They just put bricks on top of it. They made a really nice thing all the way around. But they never put any mortar inside there. It was crazy. I couldn't understand. How would you do that? How could you do that and not put anything up? That's what it's like. That's what it's like not having everybody involved. That's the idea. Where Victor Miller says an amazing Kiddush Hashem would be to increase the amount of people that are dedicating their time to learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. When the number of Torah observant Jews increases, then boys and girls fill the streets going to yeshivas. Kosher food is available everywhere. Right? It's abundant, and others are going to want to follow. Every person wearing tzitzis and every home that has a mezuzah testifies to this, and there's a massive Kiddush Hashem. Every Jew that walks down the street with a smile on his face, looking at a person and saying, Shalom Aleichem, or good Shabbos, to anyone, to anyone that's around there, causes one great big Kiddush Hashem. Even going to a shir that you won't understand, right? It helps. It helps in making a Kiddush Baruch's name holy. You don't understand it. You're not going to know what's going on. It's said in Yiddish and you don't speak Yiddish. But just having another person there showing that it's packed for something that people would normally not go to increases the Hashibus of Torah in the eyes of so many people. A Kiddush Hashem is disseminating a real Torah attitude. And that can happen through Minyanim. It can happen through anyone's willingness even to die. Now Rashi brings this down as well. He says, Kiddush Hashem is something a little bit different. Not just doing the Kaddish Baruch Hu's word, which should be obvious and obvious wherever, but rather being moser yourself and trying to be Makadish your name, Kaddish Baruch Hu's name. Because this Bisoch Bnei Yisrael, we say that should be done Baradim, not just by yourself. It should be Baradim that your Makadish and Shemayim be being moser nefesh. And when you do so, you have to be willing to die. Don't do so because you think you're going to live, thinking that a miracle is going to happen and that everything's going to be okay. If not, if you do so, you won't be Zoha to a miracle happening. Hanani Mishol Vazarya did not think they were going to live. And because they thought they weren't going to live, that's why they were willing to give up their lives. They didn't think a miracle was going to happen to them, and they were surprised when it did. That's the time when it happened. And Israeli says, this needs no clarification at all. That's what the Mizrahi says. <laughs> Such a crazy line. But there's an Achalaz Yaakov, and a Ksav Sofer that tries to explain this a little bit better. No time for that right now. The Gur Aryeh says, we see this from Yitzchak Avinu, who was willing to sacrifice himself as a Korban, and from that point on was Niskadesh. He was Makadesh himself. Once he becomes Kodesh, once he becomes holy, he'll be able to have a miracle happen through him or to him. But you can't become Kadosh until you're willing to die 
for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to have that in your head that I'm willing to die. The Shach says you can't do this mitzvah shalol lishma because then you're using the mitzvah for your own needs to do something for yourself and that will cause a chilasham every time you're trying to do a Kiddush Hashem, like we said before, that's the worst thing in the world. The Malbim says if the point of the Pasuk was to tell you to do something, then it would have said takti sheni. That's the word takti sheni and not vinikdashu, which sounds more passive. It says the Malbim, that's because there are two ways to make a Kiddush Hashem. One is through one's actions, right? The other is through miracles, right? Wonders that happen through us or because of us. That's the idea behind it. The latter obviously depends on the level of Kedusha that B'nai Yisrael were at at the time. Sometimes just through us, we can cause a Kedush Hashem. So what we're really being asked to do is to make ourselves holy enough to deserve miracles so that people menela see a Kedush Hashem happening. That is accomplished by willing to give your life up for a Kedush Baruch without expecting a miracle to happen. That's an amazingly high level. The Svassama says, even though a miracle could also cause a Kedush Hashem, that's possible, the only way a miracle is going to happen is, again, as Raji says, you don't expect it to happen. Therefore, a person should do everything L'Shem Shem and at the end you'll have a miracle happen to you, there will be a Kiddush Hashem in such a case. That's how the Sassam is supposed to. The Balatani had a certain safer that he put a cherim on, and he said, anybody who reads it will be cursed in this world and the next. Pretty stark, right? Unfortunately, it was a massive fire in his house, and it burned many of this farm. So he called in his son, the middle of Rebbe, in between him and the, Bala, and the Tzemach Tzedek. He called him in and said, did you, did you read the Sefer? And he said, no. He said, you don't remember anything from the Sefer? You had to write it down back from memory. He said, you didn't do anything? He said, Rebbe, Abba, I don't know what he called his father. He said, you had the cherem. You had the cherem. I couldn't read it. Said the Balatanya. Wouldn't the Mesiris Nefesh be worth it? Wouldn't that be worth it? It's in Sipuri Hasidim, page 322. The Yehudi HaKadosh Pshischa always wanted to die during his davening. He said that in the height of his Devekis, but his children knew this, so they never let him get to the height of Devekis during his davening. They were always watching over him. One time he was davening by himself, he got to the Pasuk, obviously by Az Yashir, and he fell to the ground. People nearby heard, they ran in, but it was too late. His Hashem had already left his body. The Virginia used to say goodbye to his wife every morning before davening Shabbos, just in case he didn't make it through davening. It's unbelievable. And we know the story of the famous in Harnov here just a couple years ago, where with the great Sadiq and Rav Tversky, and how he used to say to people that he wished that he could be Moser Nefesh with Tefillin and Talisan, right? And that, that wish, unfortunately for us, was Makuyan. This seems to be a real halacha, that a person is supposed to be that way. But the strange thing is, it's not brought by the Rambam. It's not brought by the tour that a person is supposed to be Moser Nefesh or do this, etc. The Rambam brings in a Darchi Tshuva and Kupna Zayin Chavav, and Seder Lidar points this out, right, by this Rashi, right, that Kiddush Hashem being the Kaddish Shemayim and not having in mind that you're going to have a miracle happen to you, it seems like it would be a strange thing, but nobody mentions it. Again, the Rambam mentions it in Kupna Zayin Chavav and Darchi Tshuva, but nowhere else. And Meloa Omer says the connection to the previous Psukim now of Osef Espino and Shrita is that one might think that a merciful God would never do such a thing. He wouldn't allow such a thing to happen. The actual Messias Nefesh, yeah, you're supposed to say it, but really, I it's not going to happen to me, right? That shouldn't be. But we see that an animal remains with its mother for seven days and then can be brought as a korban on the eighth day. That means that the rachamim from above is different from what we see down here. Therefore, we should be willing to change our lives down here for our life above. You are different from every other nation, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I don't demand this from them. I don't expect them to be able to do that. And this is all for your good, even though you may not be able to see it until you get to the next world. It's all for your good. That's the idea behind it. So our children commanded in this mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, our children commanded this, must they give up their lives? Where Yaakov Koneski points out that the Rambam Hilchus Yisodia Torah Perkei Allah Aleph says, Kol Hashem, all of Hashem, they all have that command, and that should include children. Since the wording of the Pasuk is Vinik Dashti, even children can cause that effect of, the, of, a, of a Kiddush Hashem. Perhaps that's why for centuries people were willing to kill their own children 
right? Rather than have them convert after they were gone and have something happen to them. Maybe that's the reason why, based on that, there's a Dazlikanium and Parzanoach and Paratest Pasuke and a Darchi Chuba and Yorde Kupnazayin Chavhei that talks about this idea. What's the reason why we're supposed to give up our lives for a Kaddish Baruch? Why this? Why are we supposed to do it? So the Torah more says it's based on the Pasuke after this. Because the Kaddish Baruch took us out of Israel away from our enemies and saved us during Max Bechoros and Kriziam, so we deserve to die. Therefore, since the Kaddish Baruch saved us then, in order for us to do what we want, therefore we have to be willing to sacrifice our lives for a Kaddish Baruch. That's why he took us out in the first place. That's that. Now, you should know that it's possible that he only applied this to Bechorin, right, the Tzorah more, because he's talking about Makas Bechoros. I added on Kriyas Yamsuf. So I'm not sure. It would be similar to the Ibn Ezra above that we started off with that says this is only talking about Kohanim, and he says it's only talking about Bechorin. The party who says our slavery was a Kenyan Haguf. So when Akash Baruch Hu took us out, he owns our guf. He can decide what to do with it. And that's the idea. Rosh Hashanah Fulher says, with the building of the Mishkan, Hashem has made us and all of our lives the bearers of his name and declared us as his people. Then he tells us how to behave, how we're able to justify the name that we bear. His name should be enough to animate us, to elevate us, to do everything that Kodesh Baruch Hu expects to have. Every time a Chilosham happens, it causes God's name to be ineffective. It causes it to be powerless. The greater a person is, the more he dedicates his life himself to Torah itself. Kodesh Baruch Hu expects us to do more and greater things, etc. That's the concept of Adam Chash of Shiny. Adam Chash of Shiny, there's a Chash of person. That person is different. His job is to act in a better way, to clarify everything around us, that we'd be willing to offer everything and do anything for Akadosh Baruch Hu. That's our Jewish mission in this world. Sometimes that means we have to give up everything for just one shoelace. But that's the demand that he made from us. And that's the Kaddish and Kedusha that we say every single day. Rebenachem Rekanti in Simenayim says that someone who's Makadosh and Shemayim is required to make a bracha. It's a mitzvah, the same video, right? So, Vinikdashi, Pesol, Vinayisrael. So, you got to make a bracha for it. So, Rochan Wasserman taught his son that the bracha to make for Kedusha, he had heard the Nusach from the Chafetz Chaim during World War I. The Nusach was from the Shlach HaKadosh. And it's the following Bracha Toshem, Lekin Machlam, Asher, Kedushanu, Bemitzvosa, Vitzivanu, Lekadish, Shmo, Barabin. That's the bracha to be able to make. If it's done in private, then it's al-kiddish shmo, uh, shmo yisparach. Al-kiddish shmo yisparach. And that's the difference between dying al-kiddish Hashem in tzivor, b'tzivor, or b'yachid. The bracha should be made b'simcha. It's brought down to this should be done b'simcha. The Pesach Tshuva brings this shlo in Yeridea Kupnen Zayin Sif Vav. That's Pesach Tshuva brings down. However, the Maram Shik says not to make this bracha. Mitzvah Reish Tzadi Zayin. Since he says, we see that a Kaddish Baruch Hu said when Masay Yodai Tovin Bayom, even when that's the non-Jews themselves, and the Malachim couldn't sing Shir because of it. So clearly it doesn't make any sense to make a bracha when a person's going to die. But the Darachit Tshuva in Kupnen Zayin Chavay says we clearly see Gedolim have done so. And obviously the Rebbe Chanan was possibly based on the Chavetz Chaim that you should do so. However, Yosef Omens brings down a tough pei gimel, another nusach. His nusach is, After you say Shema, and then after you stretch out your neck to die. When Count Petatsky, who's known as Avram ben Avram, the famous Gerrit Tzedek, was hiding in a city called Ilya, learning Torah all day long, someone was mostly over to the government and allowed him to be caught, etc., and he was hanged publicly. The Vilna Gon sent a message to him asking if he wanted to be saved using his Kabbalah Mises. The Gros said, I'm willing to do it. But he answered that he would rather die al Kiddush Hashem. He then said, when I go to the Olam Elyon, right, if I'm allowed, I will ask that the Malshin be forgiven, the guy who told on me, the Moser, should be forgiven to the world above. Because how would I be Mizak, how would it be Zoha to be able to die al Kiddush Hashem like this? Rabbi Alexander Ziskind, he's the author of Yisoyed Shoyer Shavoda, supposedly dressed up as a goy on the second day of Shavuos in order to hear the bracha and answer Amen, since it was likely he would never be able to hear this bracha from anyone else. He wanted to answer Amen to a bracha al Kiddush Hashem. This is brought in Shal's Jewish mission to Yosef and Rabbi Yosef Lieberman and Chelek Yedalaf Kukmem Zayin Dalet. In fact, 
This is the machlokas between the shlokas and Svas Emes. The shlokas holds that if you know that in a certain place you have to stop doing mitzvahs, you're machuyiv to run away, so you won't be over any mitzvahs. So the Svas Emes says you're not required to run away. If they kill you, they kill you. But you're makayim, an awesome mitzvah. That's based on a mishabru and shin chavches lamid aleph to be able to look through. We'll do one last thing. Tashbet's caught in the Tov Tezvav. He says that from the Marami Rutenberg, and the Kobol mentions in Samazayin as well, that when a person dies of Kedoshem, he doesn't feel any pain at all, no matter what they do to him. We've seen many people die in fire. They've not screamed at all, says the Marami Rutenberg. And that's the truth, that there's no debt, there's no pain if you die Al-Kiddush Hashem. The Arvein Athel explains, if a person dies Al-Kiddush Hashem, he's filled the flame of a desire to do everything, to give up his whole body to his machshava, to the machshava that he has for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He loses all feeling during that time. There's no hargasha. He feels intense pleasure because he's doing exactly what he was made for. In the Sefer Amud HaAvodah, on page 161, there was once a man who was convicted at a blood libel. They stuck a wooden pole through his body all the way up to his ear right before Shabbat started. He'd been fasting all week long. He was still singing songs with tremendous strength. When they asked him, he felt pain. He said, now I do. Now I do. He didn't feel any pain otherwise. The Midrash Talpiyos on page 174, where it says that if you do hear a tzaddik screaming in pain when he's dying al-Kiddush Hashem, it's because their screams break through the air of the Pitsonim so they don't break their concentration. Because unfortunately, there's still Yitzhahara. There's a base of Ram, a Parshish that says the Baal Shem Tov asked the Kiddush of Zaslav why they were screaming when they were being killed. And they said, it's not out of pain. It's because Yitzhar is trying to get us even now. And even though we see Rechanan ibn Chadi told the guy to take off the sponges from his heart, said he would die quicker because he was in so much pain. And maybe Rebbe Kiva as well, who's supposed to be screaming in pain, he was mitztair. In Devarim Chavav Tazayin in Rosh, it says straight out he was mitztair from what was going on from the busser that was being torn off him. Rechaim Vital says in Shargul Gulen, Hakdam Alam above, that the Arizal used to say when Rebbe Kiva, he was Rebbe Kiva, that the Arizal himself was Rebbe Kiva. Every time he sees people being killed, he remembers the pain that he endured when he was with Rebbe Kiva. But why? They both died al Kedush Hashem. How could that be? So the Gilyoni Ashas, Rebbe Yosef Egon, Brachos, Tav Samach Beis, Samach Alavashidi, suggests that Rebbe Kiva wanted to feel used to him. Maybe Rechaim Yemen also wanted to feel used to him. It's also possible that the Asarugim Alkas are different. The Asarugim Alkas were supposed to feel pain. That's a possibility, right? I, it's possible. The Minchas Alazar, right, he says in his Akdam of the Chalik Beis and his Chuvos, he says that Rabbi Kiva felt this pain every time he went through Shema, but when it actually happened, right, he felt no pain whatsoever. Maybe that answers the Arizal statement. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not positive what's going to be. But we'll end with one last thing about Kiddush Hashem. On September 14, 2001, President George W. Bush held a prayer service at Washington National Cathedral. He spoke of many different things, and he said, we have seen our national character in the eloquent acts of sacrifice that we had. Inside the World Trade Center, there was one person who could have saved himself, but he stayed until the end at the side of his quadriplegic fund friend. This man was Avremel Zalmanowitz. Avremel was a computer programmer for Blue Cross Blue Shield on the 27th floor of the North Tower. When the plane hit, there was a man named Ed Bea. I hope I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but I'm not sure. A man who was paralyzed from the neck down when he was 22 years old. He was sitting without his attendant. The attendant went to go get breakfast from the cafeteria. She came in, but she couldn't help it. Ed weighed over 300 pounds. There was no way to do anything aside from waiting for the fire firemen to come in. So firefighters were summoned. And if Rommel told Irma, his attendant, that he would stay with him until the fire, the fire firemen came. He called his sister-in-law, who pleaded with him to leave to get out of the building, but he insisted on staying until Ed was able to leave as well. Eventually, his remains were found in the destruction of the building, and they were buried in Harazasim, right near his parents. Three days before this, Rabbi Meshulam Halberstam was leading a study group in Tanya. They were learning Perak Yudchas, where it says, Kal Shebekalim, Aposhe Yisrael, even they, even the worst of the worst, the Aposhe Yisrael, will be willing to sacrifice their lives for a Baruch did not deny a Baruch existence. So Avramel spoke up, which was out of character, 
He said, I thought only great men could do so. Great men could sacrifice their lives and something will happen, right? Like the Asarugi Malchus. We can do this as well. That doesn't make any sense. But the words of Valtani are clear. Anyone can do this. Any person can do this. And three days later, he gave up his life to help his friend and cause the national Kiddushem by being mentioned in a speech by the President of the United States what he was willing to do for his friend. That's in the Reflections of the Magad, pages 51 to 54. And it's a true testament to what we can do as Claudius, no matter who we are as a nation. Have a good Shabbos, everyone. And it should be good.